Hello everyone, Darren Alf here from BicycleTouringPro.com. It's been a long time since you've seen me and I wanted to make a video to explain what's been going on. I also wanted to spend some time in this video answering your questions that you've been sending me over the last several months. Now I have been missing in action basically for the last little bit of the year here and while I haven't been out on the road bicycle touring, I have been spending a lot of time in front of my computer answering your guys' questions about bike touring all around the world. So I wanted to answer some of your questions live in today's video and I'll be answering more of your questions in future videos here on the Bicycle Touring Pro YouTube channel. Now you might be wondering where I've been and there's been a good reason for that unfortunately. I had a incident occur to me uh, at the end of last year, 2019, as I was traveling back from Ukraine. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened just yet because it's a long story. I am going to make a totally separate video to tell you the whole story from beginning to end about what happened to me and how it's affected me for the rest of 2020 and how it may affect me in the future. So. If you want to hear that story, make sure you are subscribed to the Bicycle Terrain Pro YouTube channel. Just hit the little subscribe button down below. Make sure you hit the bell button so you are alerted each time I publish a new video. My next video will be me explaining the story of what happened to me during my scary 14-hour flight from Ukraine back to the United States. And uh, you'll hear how that affected me and why that uh, caused me to go... Uh, MIA for the last several months. Now the other thing you might be wondering is where I am right now. This is actually my office and you don't see this very often because I'm usually traveling and uh, this is my home. I'm in my home right now. I have a little condo, one bedroom condo in Park City, Utah in the United States of America and this is the walk-in closet and this is also the headquarters of Bicycle Touring Pro. I don't really use this space as a closet Instead, I use this as my office where I work on the website for Bicycle Train Pro. I store my bicycles in here. You can see I have my Comotion Siskiyou, my Chumba Ursa, and my Comotion Pangea here hanging up uh, behind me. I've also got all of the products that I sell on the Bicycle Train Pro website in here. So I've got my books like these here, Winter Cycling and Stretching for Cyclists. And my big one, The Bicycle Touring Blueprint. If you haven't read this book, you should read it right now. Um, I also send out t-shirts like the ones I'm wearing here or this one. Um, there's a whole bunch more on my website at bicycletrainpro.com forward slash shop. I've also got, like you can see here, these are the waterproof panniers, the, the like backpack size bags that I carry on my bicycle, like the ones that you see on the photo on the website these like bags that are on my bike. I sell all of those on the Bicycle Train Pro website so you can see I've got a whole bunch of them up here and if you want to use the same bags as I use and these are like the best bicycle touring bags in the whole world pretty much all long-distance bicycle tourists use these they're by far the world's most popular bicycle touring bag I sell these on the Bicycle Train Pro website at bicycletrainpro.com forward slash shop or bike tour shop Com. Now I have a funny story about these Ortlib uh, bicycle panniers because I ran out, I, I send them out all the time to people all around the world and I ran out of bags so I called Ortlib and I said like I need some more so I can sell them to my readers and, and at the time they were out 
of the ones that I wanted. Like these are the Ortlib Bike Packer Plus and Sport Packer Plus panniers. Those are the ones that I use on all of my tours and those are the ones that I sell on my website because I wanted to be selling the products that I actually use and recommend. So I ordered a bunch of them from Ortlib and they said, oh, we don't have them or we won't be able to get them to you for like a month. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. So I waited like three weeks and still the, the bags hadn't shown up. So I emailed Ortlib again and I said like, hey, I'm still, I still need to get like all these, you know, Bike Packer Plus, Sport Packer Plus panniers. Can you send them to me? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I contacted them a second time, they wrote down my order as like a second order. So like the first time I contacted them, I asked for 10 bags to be sent to me. And then the second time I, I contacted them, I asked for 10 bags to be sent to me. But I was really asking for the original first 10 bags. Instead, they sent me 20 bags of Ortlib panniers. Uh, so I have twice as many bags as I wanted and I really need to get rid of them So I'm gonna give you guys a discount code that you can use on my website This coupon code will be good for the entire year 2020 So all you got to do is go to my website bicycleturnpro.com forward slash shop or biketourshop.com Find any product on the site like it can be the t-shirt. It can be a book it can be one of these Ortlib bicycle turn bags. I'm hoping you'll order one of those because I've got tons of them right now. And all you gotta do is add that to your cart and then enter the coupon code 2020-2020. That will get you $5 off any product in the Bicycle Turn Pro store. And I hope you use that coupon code uh, either for yourself or for someone that you love. Once again, the coupon code is 2020. Just enter that at checkout at biketourshop.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let me give you some actual useful content. Every single day, I get sent hundreds of questions from people all around the world having to do with bicycle touring, world travel, uh, the gear you're supposed to use on bike trips, etc., etc., etc. And a big part of what I do at Bicycle Turn Pro is making these videos and, and traveling around the world and doing my own bike tours, but an even bigger part of what I do is answering these emails or messages on Instagram and Facebook and helping other people, people like you, learn how to conduct their own bicycle training adventures. And that's a big part of like what my book is all about. Like Most of the questions that I get on a daily basis are covered inside this book. So once again, if you have not yet read The Bicycle Touring Blueprint, I encourage you to read it today. You can get it at biketourshop.com. $5 off, just enter the coupon code 2020. So today I thought it'd be fun not just to you know say hello because I've been missing in action for so long, but also to answer some of the questions that have been sent to me recently. So I've got a list here, I've, I've put them in a Word document, and I'm gonna answer just a few of these for your benefit. So the first one says, Hi Darren, thank you for fueling our interests, imaginations, and opportunities with the content you create. I see you use both flat pedals and clipless pedals, and I'm wondering for what touring situations you would prefer one over the other and why. Thanks, Colin, and then his email. So, what kind of shoes do you wear? There are like clipless shoes like this. These have metal clips in the bottom of them. I don't know if you can see that. Um, and they attach to your pedals and they're supposed to give you more strength on the bike and also ensure that your feet don't slip off of the pedals as you're riding and a whole bunch of other things. You can, you can pull up on the pedals um, instead of just pushing down on them so you have more power in that regards. 
Um, or you can just wear a pair of flat like tennis shoes on a bike tour. So they're asking which ones do you generally wear and why? Now the answer to that question, like so many things in the bicycle touring world, depends on the situation. On some of my bike tours I wear clipless SPD pedals, uh, metal clips on the bottom of my shoes like the ones I just showed you, and on other tours I have just used regular flat pedals and a regular pair of hard-soled tennis shoes or hiking shoes. And the situation very much depends on where you're going in the world, how long you're going to be out on the road, and what your goals are for your particular bicycle tour. So if you're planning a bike tour where your main objective is to be on the bike and to cover lots of distances on the bike and you're not going to be doing a whole lot of walking around, then probably a pair of SPD cycling shoes like this is going to be your best option. Um, these are going to give you the best performance on the bike. And these are like mountain bike shoes, not necessarily like road bike shoes. Mountain bike shoes are usually better than road bike shoes because mountain bike shoes are designed in such a way that they can be uh, worn off of the bicycle for at least a short distance in relative comfort. You can walk around in these, go into a store, uh, climb a mountain, you know, walk on dirt roads or paved roads, and you're not going to have any real issues. Whereas road uh shoes like this oftentimes have the clip coming further out of the shoe which makes walking very very difficult so i would uh, lean towards a shoe like this a mountain bike spd shoe if however you're planning a bike tour where you're planning to spend a lot of time walking around off of the bike uh, maybe you're going to europe and you want to walk around little villages or go into shops and museums and that sort of thing and you're going to be spending just as much time off of the bicycle as you are on it then you may want to lean towards a shoe that doesn't have any sort of clips on it you may just want like a hard-soled hiking shoe um, you want to be able to move your ankle and everything, but you want the sole of that shoe to be very, very firm. You don't want like a lightweight running shoe that has a lot of flex to it. That is not good for bicycling. So you want something that has a hard sole to it that's going to allow you to press very hard into a flat pedal. Um, that is the sort of shoe that you want to lean towards. So it very much depends on the situation. I have generally used SPD shoes like this on all of my long distance bicycle tours. Uh, except for my first two bike tours just because I didn't have the money and know-how um, to, to ride in a pair of these. So I think um, for cycling, a shoe like this is definitely the best. But again, I have in recent years, like I rode uh, through Sweden, Finland, and Norway just a few years ago, and I was just wearing a kind of thick-soled hiking shoe on that trip with flat pedals, and it worked out fine. So once again, it very much depends on the situation. Okay, next question here. Hi Darren, first of all, let me tell you that my husband and I are avid followers of your YouTube videos. We're Canadian senior citizens now, but have bike toured for many years in Europe. Perhaps we have missed some of your comments while you tour along, but we would be most interested in knowing what month of the year you're doing each of your tours. As you know, the weather has a significant impact on choosing where to go during what month. Thank you for all your great info and we wish you continued safe pedaling. We look forward to following more of your adventures. Okay, so what time of year do I do most of my bike tours? Well, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Most bicycle touring, not just my own bike tours, but bicycle touring in general, happens during the spring, summer, and fall. Let's say summer as the main season for bicycle touring. It makes sense. It's warm. 
Uh, it's good riding weather in most parts of the world and riding in the snow is not something that a lot of people want to do, although I've written an entire book about how to do exactly that. So, that being said, I have spent several months or even years of my life bicycle touring around the world in the wintertime. I've gone uh, to many parts of the world. I was in Ukraine recently cycling through the snow and ice. Um, I went to Alaska and did a bike tour there in freezing cold temperatures. Um, I've been to Iceland and all sorts of places in, here in the United States um, during the winter months. So yes, it's possible to bicycle tour at any time uh, of the year. It's not something that most people are probably going to want to do. If you do want a bike tour in the winter, however, I recommend you travel to another part of the globe, which is what I've done several times, uh, and bike tour in that location during the summertime. Uh, it would be, you know, their summer, our winter, right? So it's winter in North America. If you want a bike tour in the winter here, go to South America, go to Africa, go to Australia, New Zealand, something like that. And if you live in Australia uh, and you want a bike tour in your winter there, consider traveling, you know, up to Asia or Europe or North America. Um, that's a great way to bike tour all year long, and that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Okay, next question. Here we go. Um, hi, Darren. I've I've been really enjoying all the emails you've sent. They've been really helpful to my preparations to ride the Trans Am in 2021, fingers crossed. I'm from Manchester in the UK looking to go west to east on the Trans Am, July through October 2021. I did a 60 mile, 5,500 5, feet day in the UK last week and my legs felt pretty good, which is positive. What I struggled with was saddle sores and sweat running into my eyes. Cycling became distinctly uncomfortable toward the end, which is more of a problem than fitness. I am a fit 35-year-old, so I guess my question is just top-line advice around comfort, saddle sores, sweat management, and do you change cycle shorts at lunchtime, for example, as when you're cycling for hours, need to be comfortable. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, so this is really a question of how to remain comfortable on your bicycle. So in regards to his question about changing your shorts halfway through the day, the answer to that question is simple. No, I've never done that and I don't know anyone else that does that. Although I'm sure there is somebody out there that changes their shorts uh, multiple times per day. The truth is most of my bicycle tours, I'm usually only carrying one pair of shorts to ride in for the entire length of the tour. Sometimes I've only got one shirt to ride in for the entire length of the tour. So no, I'm not changing my clothes uh, throughout the day, but I am doing certain things throughout the day to ensure that I remain comfortable while I'm riding my bike and that I'm going to be able to remain comfortable as I continue on my bicycle tour. So the first thing I do is I have a comfortable saddle that I know is comfortable before I begin my bicycle turn adventures. Now it kind of sounds like Steven just went out on his first long ride and came home from that trip uh, in pain. That is to be totally expected if you're just starting out uh, with bicycling. It's kind of like someone learning to play the guitar. Like if you first pick up the guitar, you don't have like these calluses on your fingers. So after just a few days of, of playing that guitar, your fingers are like bleeding and they hurt so bad. But if you stick with that guitar for a long time, you know, a month, a year, whatever, you build up the calluses on your fingers, you kind of get used to the pain that is associated 
with playing the guitar, and after a while you don't feel that pain anymore. The same is true with riding a bicycle. The more you ride, and the more you ride consistently, the more comfortable you're going to become on your bicycle, especially on these long distance bike tours. So that's the first trick to remaining comfortable. Get a saddle that is going to work for you and ride consistently so as to build up your tolerance towards the inherent pain of riding a bike. That being said, you don't want a saddle that is causing you saddle sores or anything like that. So if you are having saddle sores, you're probably doing something wrong. You either need new bike shorts, a new saddle, you need to adjust your position on the bike, something like that is wrong and uh, you should not be having saddle sores while you ride your bike. I uh, have very rarely in 20 years of biking around the world had any issue with my butt. I get so many questions about uh, you know, my butt hurts while I'm riding my bike, blah, blah, blah. The answer is you're doing something wrong. Like your butt should not hurt that much. Now the, the other point I want to make is that when you're riding your bike, like let's say you go on a six hour bike ride, right? And you cover 60 miles or, or 100 kilometers um, during that time. You want to be taking some pressure off of your butt uh, while you're riding your bike. And that means regularly, and I mean regularly, like every few minutes, uh, lifting your, you know, one side of your butt off of the saddle, lifting the other side up, standing entirely up off the saddle uh, whenever you can, and also just taking breaks, you know, stopping for a few minutes, sitting, you know, on a bench somewhere, or stretching, standing up off of your bike. Um, those sorts of things will help to ensure that your butt doesn't hurt after your six hour long ride. If you just sit down on your bike for six hours straight and press your butt into the saddle, yes, your butt is going to hurt. So all of those things are things that I would recommend if your butt is hurting you. And if you're, if you're getting saddle sores, that should not be happening and you need to do something in order to fix your situation. Okay, two more questions and then we'll wrap up this video. Hi, my name is Rista Pulita, 58 years old from Finland, just returned, just returning from my latest bicycle trip in, oh gosh, Åland, Finland. I don't know how to pronounce these city names. My biggest question uh, is how to ensure to have and carry enough clean and fresh water in real suburban routes. Uh, Risto. So this is a question about how to carry enough water on your bicycle tours, and this is also something that I cover in great detail inside my book, The Bicycle Train Blueprint. Now, one of my main strategies for water, and, I, and I, before I even tell you my strategy, I should tell you that water is probably the most important thing that you need to, to carry with you on your bicycle tours. It's like the number one thing, even before food, uh, before lodging, before money, before, uh, I don't know, just personal safety. Water is like the most important thing that uh, you need to be thinking about when you're on a bicycle tour. Where are you going to get your next water from? And, and are you going to have enough water on your bike to get you to that next water source? So that's the thing that I talk about inside the Bicycle Turn Blueprint. In the book, I talk about playing chess and how chess, really good chess players, 
are able to think not just of like the next move that they're going to make, but they're able to think of multiple moves ahead. So like a good chess player can think like seven, 10, 11 moves ahead in the game. They already have calculated like not only what they're going to do next, but what the their opponent's going to do next, and then what they're going to do next, and what, then what they're going to do next, etc., etc. The same is true when you're on a bicycle tour and you're thinking about your water. You always want to be thinking ahead one or two steps at the very least so that you know where your next water source is going to be and that way you can reverse engineer your situation so that you know how much water you need to be carrying to get you to that next one or two possible water holes. Um, so let's say you're biking across America and um, like someone said they wanted to do the Trans Am trip. You're biking across America and the next city on your map is 90 miles away. Let's just make it 100, mi 100 miles away and you don't know if there's any water source in between. 100 miles is a long ways on a bicycle, especially if it's windy or raining or who knows what. So 100 miles, that could potentially take two days on a bicycle to get there depending on the situation. Right? So you maybe you cover 50 miles one day, 50 miles the next day. That means that you do not want to take the risk of there possibly being a water source halfway through your ride. Like, it's possible that there is no water for 100 miles and you need to be self-reliant and self-sufficient enough to carry enough water for you to get to your destination. So for that particular example, you're going to be wanting to carry two days worth of water and what is two days of water? You know, that depends on how hot it is, uh, what your personal you know, preference for water is, uh, whether you're planning to be cooking your own food at night or whether, because like just cooking like pasta or something consumes a huge amount of water. And so all of these things come into consideration when you're planning how much water should I be carrying? You've got to think about where you're going next and uh, all of these situations that I just mentioned, like you know, will you be cooking, uh, how hot is it, etc., etc. It's a little bit tricky for me to, I can't just say like, you need to be carrying three liters of water at all times. That's just not how bicycle terrain is. If you're bike terrain in Europe and there are towns every 15 kilometers, you only have to carry enough water for like an hour. Whereas if you're biking across Africa uh, or some other remote part of South America or Australia or something, you may need to be carrying several days worth of water at a time. Now, in my personal experience, bike touring around the world for 20 years and on pretty much every continent on the planet, the longest I've ever had to go carrying water is two days. That's all. So there's usually water somewhere along the way. And, and I think the longest distance I've ever covered is about 200 miles with no water at all. But even at 200 miles, I knew that if I just worked and put my head down and pedaled, I could cover that 200 miles in two days. So I did two back-to-back 100-mile -back days and was able to get to my water source, no problem. But I was actually carrying enough water for three days because I figured, well, if this is difficult and I'm not able to cover the 200 miles in two days, I don't want to be stuck out here with no water. So I was carrying three days worth of water, which is a lot of water. Um, and my bike was very, very heavy, but I was glad to have that extra water just in case. In the end, I didn't need it, but I was carrying it just in case I got stuck out there or, or the 200 miles took longer than I thought it would, etc., etc. So, 
That's enough about water. Hopefully that answered your question. Last question that you guys sent to me for today. This is the last Q&A of the day. Here we go. Uh, this is a question from David and he says, my biggest concern uh, about bicycle touring is coming into town and finding a place to camp. Do you ask police or officials if you can camp and at parks or other areas? Or is there other resources to find out uh, before you get to the town? So this is a very specific question about camping. And it sounds like maybe David doesn't want to stay in hotels or hostels or that sort of a thing. This is a question too, very much that depends on where you are in the world. I'm just going to assume, because most of my Bicycle Turn Pro readers are in North America, that David is in North America somewhere and he's planning to do a bike tour across I don't, the United States. So camping can be a little bit tricky because yes, there are campgrounds all around the world, established campgrounds that you can just roll into and pay money to stay there for the night. And most of the time, because you're traveling on a bike, even if the campground is full, you can usually find a spot. The owner will usually say, oh yeah, there's some extra space over here under this tree or whatever. Feel free to set up your tent there. So that's always one option, paid campgrounds. The second option is wild camping. Now wild camping is where you camp in a place where maybe, uh, you know, out in nature. Like if you watch my videos of me bicycle touring across Sweden and Finland and Norway and that sort of thing, I was wild camping the entire time, except for one night I think I stayed in an established campground. So I was just camping in the forests and next to rivers and lakes and, and wherever I wanted because that sort of camping is legal and allowed in those countries. Here in America, wild camping like that is allowed in some areas and not allowed in other areas. And this is where knowing the rules and regulations and laws of the country that you're traveling to is very, very important because you don't want to get uh, caught camping in an area that you aren't supposed to be camping in. David was asking, uh, do you ask police or officials if you can camp at parks or other areas? So yeah, in some places like uh, on the Trans-American route, which is this cross-country bicycle route, I rode that route back in 2002, which is a long time ago, and things may have changed since I did that. But at the time, there were several parks along the route that were just public city parks in small towns that you could roll up to and camp in that park for one night um, without any problems from the police or locals or whatever. And I did that multiple, multiple times on that particular bike tour. The trick to knowing which park to camp in was I had the book or the maps um, that were showing me which parks I was allowed to camp in. So uh, if you're traveling on an established bicycle touring route, it does you a lot of good to go out and get those books and those maps because they will tell you specifically, this is the park that you can camp at and this is the one you can't camp at. There is also a thing called stealth camping and stealth camping is where you camp in an area that is technically, legally, maybe not allowed. Uh, you're not allowed to camp there, but you're gonna camp there anyways, or you're gonna camp there discreetly so that no one knows you're there, and you're gonna wake up early in the morning and get out of there before anyone sees that you were camping there. And this is also something that I've done in hundreds of places all around the world. I did this pretty much every night that I was in Africa. Um, <laughs> a mix of wild camping and stealth camping. I've done it in Europe and North America and South America. I've done it everywhere. And this is a little trickier. I wouldn't recommend it for newbies. 
Um, you really got to know what you're doing. You got to be able to be stealthy. You got to move fast. And you, you kind of, again, have to know the laws and regulations of the country that you're traveling to. So that is always a possibility is to kind of like sneakily camp somewhere. Um, but I don't usually recommend that. Instead, I do recommend uh, talking to the police and saying, hey, I'm traveling through, where can I camp? In some countries, they will allow you to camp at the police station or at the fire station or outside the hospital. Um, this was something that I did in Taiwan, for example. There was fire stations all over the place and you could camp outside of them um, and go inside and use the water and all that kind of thing. So once again, it very much depends on where you are in the world. It very much depends on your budget, if you want to spend money on camping or not. And of course, like he, David is talking about once I roll into town, pretty much every town in the world has a hotel or, or some kind of accommodation of some kind. So if you're willing to spend the money, you can always find a place to stay by shelling out a little cash and getting yourself a hotel room or a motel room or a hostel for the night. Okay guys, that's it. That's the end of this video. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this has been kind of entertaining and useful. Um, once again, I am back and I am going to be releasing a new series of videos here on the Bicycle Train Pro YouTube channel very, very soon. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel, hit that bell button so you're notified each and every time I publish a new video. And if you have a question that you would like me to answer in a future video, send me a video of yourself asking that question so that I can get you on video, add you to, you know, like I have your face on the screen here and you saying, hey Darren, what's what's your opinion on, uh, you know, uh, the best bicycle panniers or whatever your question happens to be. Send me a video with your face and your voice on it and I will include you in a future video like this one here on the Bicycle Turn Pro YouTube channel and I will answer your question directly. Okay guys, that's it. I'm Darren Alf from BicycleTurnPro.com. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope to see you out on the road sometime soon. Once again, if you haven't done so already, be sure to head over to my website, BicycleTurnPro.com forward slash shop, and pick up a copy of my book, The Bicycle Turn Blueprint, or any of my books, t-shirts, panniers, bike racks, other gear, uh, and get $5 off just enter the coupon code 2020. This coupon code is good from today until the very end of 2020. So uh, December 31st, 2020, this coupon code will get you $5 off any product in the Bicycle Train Pro Shop. All right, guys, that's it. Woo! Thanks for watching. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.